0: to episode 31 of the Coach Fury podcast. My name is Steve Coach Fury Holliner. I'm the owner of Fury Industries. I'm a fitness professional and educator. I offer fitness classes, private training, online coaching, as well as teaching courses around the world. You can find out everything you need to about training with me, blogs, older episodes of this show, newer episodes of this show, and any courses I have coming up, or if you want to host a course, at coachfury.com right so come and train with me I like training people I like helping people get strong live their best life and uh, get awesome strong and stuff so come train with me Uh, before we get into this week's guest I have to give a major shout out and congrats to last week's guest so on the same day that our episode went out Jason and Lauren announced that they're having a kid congrats guys I'm so happy for the three of you that's just awesome news Um, that's gonna be a powerful kid stoked and I'm also excited about this week's guest. This was one of my uh, first buddies from MFF, somebody I've known for a while, and that is the one and only Mr. Wonderful, Jeff Hemingway. We're gonna learn a lot about Jeff and I's relationships, how we view coaching and dealing with people coming up. Uh, but I do wanna say this, Jeff and I's episode went faster than any one I've recorded. And he had to go and I had to go, so we ended abruptly. And instead of having a full-on episode, next week is going to be the first time we're going to shoot a video podcast episode that is only going to be on Coach Fury Podcast Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast, and at coachfury.com. So this is going to be the first true exclusive with a guest at the Coach Fury Facebook page and on coachfury.com. So very excited about that. That is going to come out Wednesday. So this episode comes out on Monday. The exclusive's gonna come out on Wednesday. I'm stoked for that, and I'm really grateful for Jeff to come on We barely scratched the surface of some of our geekdom, especially in movie land. So, enough about that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all of your pets, vegans and meat eaters, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to episode 31 of the Coach Fury podcast, the Tango and Cash Edition.
1: Rose made that tapestry. Isn't that neat? Oh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, right? Isn't that cool? Look at that shit. She, like, got a stick from the park. She made that. What? Hey, man, Just I like your... Are those Godzilla photos back there? And then You got that? Those, those, those are mm-hmm.
0: uh, Dennis McNutt, anti-hero skateboard arts. Cool. Art show, and then two Godzilla posters. Rad. And you haven't seen... There's the. Hold on. There's the Godzilla wall.
1: Oh, whoa, man. That's... Yeah. That that's is... The- Oh, that's a cool space. I've been down there. Yeah, dude. You got to come, come and hang there. out. Come take a class. Come hang. Come that's, take that fury class. Come take a class and we'll have some drinks. I think that'd be great. That sounds fun. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing Hot. great. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot going on, but every, you know, just with the kid and all, but you know, uh, uh, you I know. know uh, but it's been wonderful. He's an angel and Rose is great. And, Um, we're kind of blessed right now and that she's got some time off, you know, to be with him. And I took like two weeks off, but that was forever ago. So now we've kind of settled back into the, like working all the time and having a kid life, like the fury life. (laughs) Uh, It's great. It's been really great. He's been really sweet. Like he's an angel straight down from heaven. Like they say in raising Arizona, but, uh, (laughs) he's, uh, he, he gives us at least five hours a night of sleep, which is amazing. I feel like that's more than I get uh, most nights anyway. Right? Like, that's more than a lot of New Yorkers get. Childless New Yorkers. but uh, we're doing
0: Childless right? New Yorkers.
1: How you doing, man?
0: I'm, I'm good, dude. It's really yeah. good to see you. It's,
1: it's so good it's, to see you.
0: Um, hey, so we haven't actually officially announced you yet. Hey, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Tango to My Cash. Uh, Mr. Wonderful Jeffrey Hemingway.
1: Hello, everyone. MFF.
0: Uh, Hello, and, audience. Um, dude thank you for coming on the show and I dude, do want to hear everything so so listeners I've known Jeff for a while now Jeff is actually the first member of MFF that I went out for lunch before I was official lunch with before I was uh, officially signed on for the gig
1: I think we've known each other for five years I think five years officially
0: it was that get up workshop right was that yeah because you time came in and did
1: your kettlebell workshop and I think that was in 2013.
0: 2013 that was like november ish 2013 i think yeah
1: so almost five years almost we're almost at the five-year mark which is i think paper no that's year one <laughs> five years is wood i'm gonna i'm gonna whittle oh, you i guess i th- got wood for you i'm gonna whittle you wood yeah i'm gonna whittle <laughs> mine down uh for you nice. uh, well, i'm so honored to be here thanks for having me i i'm i'm I miss you and i'm so glad to talk to you uh, on, me, me on the record on the official record this on the, the official record, record. it's that's so right. official
0: uh so hey what's going on in your world uh for the listeners you talk about uh jeff and rose just had a baby two months
1: ago that's right right three, Am I three. Name on that? three. three actually three <sighs> today time flies
0: time flies man um
1: yeah man my lovely wife uh rose hemingway and i just uh, welcomed our our son jack jack stanford hemingway Strong name. Uh Wasp. A very strong name. Very Waspy. strong. Name. Uh he'll either be a senator or an assassin. But whatever. Both. Or maybe an assassin senator.
0: Yeah. Senator Assassin. That's right. That sounds badass, actually. That sounds like
1: badass. Uh the chair would like to recognize Senator Assassin. <laughs> um but uh yeah, so uh that's been great and still working at Mark Fisher Fitness uh at the clubhouse in Hell's Kitchen. Keeping those, you know, those lanterns lit and the fires burning in the hearths of, of ninja hearts everywhere. Um, we miss the hell out of you, man. At oh, house, thank uh, you. And that's about it. I, you know, I, uh, trying to keep up on educational things, you know, doing, doing this and that, but it's hard, man. It, it, things get crazy. Well,
0: let's unpack this for a moment. So, you know, uh, we've had these conversations um, where, and and certainly folks, you've heard this on the podcast as well. Like trainer life tends to be a way more hectic than most people realize. Part of it's the hours, uh, the energy um, given to running a class, running a session. How has, how has that changed for you other than just overall tired now that you're a dad and have to manage it? Because I have to be honest, more and more, I realize now how how my kids affected even my relationships with everybody, because I found I couldn't hang out as much. And I don't think I I think I knew it was happening. But I don't think I realized it until there was more distance.
1: Sure, that makes sense. I mean, also, initially, I think it helps me to not be a regular hanger out or anyway, like it's a rare thing that I come out. I'm really, as you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a couch potato. Like I there are, a handful of people I like to spend time with, and like I could drink beers with you and, and talk movies with you all day and that kind of stuff. But um, there, I, I, I don't go out a lot, so that part hasn't been crazy. The uh, it's caring, you know. I I want to make sure that I'm giving Rose the the care and support that she needs, and also trying to maintain some integrity around the job. You know, like it's it's the scheduling thing that's crazy, like. I used to write programs on Monday, but now I don't write programs on Monday because I spend time with Jack on Monday. Monday is bath day. So like we do bathing and bathing. Yeah, bathing, bathing. Baving, bathing, it. It's a regional dialect. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like, you know, um, it's just kind of carving out time and setting up a schedule. Uh, our, our food prep life has gotten way more in line, I will say, because there's no other option. Like if I don't food prep, then I'm not eating. Cause I can't afford to eat out. And if I don't pack a lunch, then, you know, I'm just going to kind of have to like score a Clementine from <laughs> the locker room or like deal <laughs> someone's banana or something, because you know, the the food budget now is going to diapers and, and uh, butt cream. So uh, we had to step up our food prep game and now we're kind of in a sweet spot right now. But of course, like he's three months old. And I feel like the other shoe is going to drop in like another three months or, you know, in three months from now, the schedule is going to be totally different. Yeah. Uh, it's I feel like we're in a hurricane just kind of holding on by our fingertips, but it's exciting. It's really great. And, uh, and I, we're blessed in that. Uh, you know, I have somewhat of a regular schedule at MFF, which is really nice. Um, and Rose right now is in between acting jobs. So she can spend a lot of time with him and stuff. So we haven't had to scramble for childcare or anything because, you know, I mean, nobody knows like you, Really, how crazy New York childcare is, how expensive it is, how insane it is to get from one spot to another, like you know it takes two hours to go twenty blocks here, which is a mile
0: yeah it's 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 really tricky to even realize you know the kids I guess my daughter's coming up on the age, maybe. I think if she lived in Long Island, like if right. we lived in someplace less urban, you know, yeah. she'd be close to being able to just watch her brother, right, and handle that. But I think that's because of where we are. That's a few years off still, maybe two, or right. three years off.
1: I mean, am but, I wrong in thinking you had you heard gunshots like uh, a couple uh, months? Ago, no,
0: like you that? did. I mean, it's probably like four or five months ago now. But we right. went to actually a, a middle school meeting, and and uh, forgetting what part of the neighborhood and on the way out like gunshots rang out we couldn't tell exactly they were a block away we couldn't tell exactly what direction or where from but across mm-hmm. from a field and you know had to run for cover and try to like uh explain to her how to handle that type of thing yeah. you know the interesting thing is this is like when i posted that thing about it i actually got heat from some people about it um was all of a sudden, everybody started lumping that incident in with like these gun laws and stuff, right? And, right. And, and and there is a point where we have to just be like, that is actually just that neighborhood in Brooklyn. Like we're, we're some mm-hmm. of this stuff. We have to remember that the, this is just part of our neighborhoods that we mm-hmm. live in and are around. And um, I'm not
1: trying to take your guns. I'm just saying I heard gunshots. Yeah, like you know. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I think,
0: I think overall we'd say that that neighborhood's still much better and is, is improving. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was really, uh, and I've heard gunshots before, not often, but it was really weird to have her there and actually have to
1: have that talk.
0: Yeah. To actually try to hide behind a car to assess where they're coming from and go in the opposite direction. You know, yeah. I was really worried about like a stray bullet, but, uh, yeah, it I was def- like, definitely I- scary.
1: Yeah, I feel like after that the sex talk comes easier. Like you know, no, no. No. no, no, no. Uh, no. All right. No. because um, no, 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 you know. As she's easier to be under fire. Than she's approaching her
0: teens. I think it oh, might God. be. It might be. You know, it's interesting because now that she's hitting that age and their movie qualities, they watch like most of they've seen a lot of like the eighties movies that we've seen. Right. Um, but one of those big debates that you always hear about before you have kids or when they're certain age is that whole like how we're okay with people, kids seeing violent movies and video games before we see sexual,
1: sexual images. yeah. And
0: you know what I realize now is this, because like, and I'm, I'm listeners, like I, I'm not one of those dads that like went overboard and started showing my kids all the horror movies that I'm into. Like they watched mm-hmm. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Goonies, um, Stranger Things. But like, I haven't showed them, like they haven't seen like Deadpool on the ultra violent side or right. John Wick or Evil Dead. And I know a lot of friends that already have done that. I'm not judging that. Yeah. But I think the thing is, is like, when you show them something that's like really horror or violence, they there's such a greater divide from them trying it, right? Like, yeah. I want to try that thing. Whereas when you potentially watch something sexual in nature, there is a little bit more of that. Like, it's approachable in a way, like, oh, I could do that. I can oh, do that's that. the thing. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be hurting anybody, you yeah. know? And, and it's interesting that they're coming up on that age a little bit where, like, I'm mindful of that. Like, I went to put on fucking teen wolf like 3 months ago yeah sure and then you realize it's all about like dating and hooking up and i'm like Boners. Oh, he's too too young Yep. Too young right now.
1: Having sex with a hot girl backstage uh, at the drama rehearsal. Yeah,
0: and it's like I don't want that. I'd rather them try standing on the roof of the car style, 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 style.
1: Yeah, style, style. Yeah. Well, so style, style.
0: Fucking van, like that's cool. But like, yeah. it's just really weird uh having that part and watching it and and seeing certain things. Like my daughter is like super into Bob's Burgers right now. Oh yeah. For the most part, it's pretty you know innocuous and just super funny. Yeah. Every now and then. There's, like, a, a line where I'm like, whoops.
1: You uh, uh, Are you caught up on Bob's Burgers? I,
0: I'm, I am not right now. I'm somewhere – she got – we got her uh, season one yeah. and five for her birthday. And she. Oh, I right. already, Kim and I already had two. Um, so she's going and she's already bought with her own money three and four so she's one through five and i know she's seen a smattering on demand of the, the later ones like that show epi- is great
1: oh it's so good two episodes ago episodes ago tina says the sh- uh, shoulders are the butts of the arm and i thought that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> i laughed it's so like, hard about that
0: they just watched uh, this, our kim and i's favorite episode is the one called art crawl oh when, yeah uh, linda's sister does all yeah. the animal anuses on yeah. the, walls,
1: In the walls that's so <laughs> and, good
0: and what is you, it? More, it's like uh, the anus is the window of the butt. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Have you seen the Die Hard Working Girl the musical hybrid yet? No. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so
0: I got something yeah. to look forward to. Work
1: hard or die trying is the. They do a musical of Working Girl and Die <laughs> Hard and <they're laughs> meld them together. It's really good. Yeah, you got, I can't wait. You got to call me after that one.
0: So with the meal prep, let's make this a little fitnessy related. Oh, it's yeah, not going to episode. Um uh, are, are you scheduling that? Like to, this day is meal prep day.
1: Actually, it's more of a, like, we will we will lay out the things night to night. So it's more creating a menu on Sunday night. Like, Monday, we're going to have uh, kale and sausage. And then Tuesday night will be chicken noodle soup. And Wednesday night is, is this. It's very Dan John, uh, just, like, laying out the menu and having the things. We've been doing Peapod, like a grocery delivery service. Yeah. So then we have the things for the specific items. And then just right when I get home, it's boom, boom, boom. It's kale and sausage night. It's this night. So that kind of thing which is great and then we have the available tupperware that i can uh uh, take it home or take it to work the next day my leftover game is way stepped up instead of like eliminating everything yeah because like if if i'm I'm being totally honest after work i come home and i get high and i eat everything in sight and so my leftover game was terrible and now uh it's my leftover game is really stepped up because again if i don't have leftovers i don't have anything for lunch yeah it's very Ralph Cramden like I I feel like I need like a metal lunch box.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say the tin yeah. lunch box right yeah
1: yeah yeah um which is great like I come home for lunch because I I go to the clubhouse and I work a couple hours and then I have three hours off in the afternoon most days so I'll come home and have like a peanut butter sandwich with my wife and kid and then I go back and I punch the clock in <laughs> the uh, and then I'll work the evening and come home and you know and then do it all again
0: yeah, oh man, it's it, it's funny. Like I'm catching it. Meal prep is is always my worst thing. Kim is oh, so yeah. good at it, Yeah and I suck at it. And I I realize, especially because I just did my taxes and I'm looking at like my money and and how good or bad I did last year. And I'm like, shit. That's like food is Huge. the biggest expense that I'm just pissing money away on. Yeah, and it's also my weak link in terms of my nutrition and my training. Nice. Um, I'm realizing now, like, I have some leftover effects of this. Uh, you know, Graves disease. Graves, thyroid shit. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting here back. I just had my blood work done today. But when my metabolism was speeding up, I could eat everything. And I like literally dropped like 30 pounds in about two and a half months of like, you know, without even much lifting, because I had all these crazy tremors. Right, And as that normalized, the weight came back on and the bad habits were all there. And I think just the stress of being independent on my own and whatever's going on internally, like yeah. uh, meal prep is like, uh, I'm, I, I harped on, well, I didn't just say I harped on it. I asked you about it. Cause like that is, something, like, I, I need to just pick a day to cook. I think two I, days. I think yeah. if I think of it as one day, it's like overwhelming for me. But I think if I pick two days to cook meals, like I'm good.
1: Like a Sunday and a Thursday or something.
0: Yeah. So I break it up.
1: Totally. I mean, also like, I love eating out. I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Like, yeah. I love other people's food. Like, I, the stuff I make isn't as good. It's just not as good. You could give me the exact recipe, and it wouldn't taste as good to me. And <laughs> that was a hard thing for me to break, too, because, you know, right, I mean, you know, we were working together. Right before we had the kid, Rose was gone. She was on tour for, like, yeah. eight months, and I was here by myself. Hee Haw, right? Uh, no, it was before Hee Haw. Yeah, King And I was just, like, eating everything inside. I was eating fried chicken. I was eating, you know, and I justified it by intermittent fasting. And I was like, I didn't eat until 3 o'clock today. I'm going to eat French fries and fried chicken Yeah, and then stop eating it at 11. And then the next day I was like, why am I fat? Why am I fatter than ever? Well,
0: I think that's a funny thing in training, and I knew that was eye-opening to me. So starting in a martial arts gym where there was a lot of of weight cutting always happening, there wasn't really a lot of, like, bulk phase going on or, you know – I wouldn't even call it like specifically fasting was happening. I think it was just, you know, uh, modifications made based on needing to cut weight. weight, And I know it was prior to MFF. I think it was actually the strong first barbell cert that I did. um, In Virginia beach, every, all of us, including Pavel, we all went to Ben and Jerry's after, and everyone was eating pints of ice cream. And I felt like the asshole who was like getting like, I'll have to die because yeah. like, I will be that guy. Like I, I put this right back on. Yeah, totally. And I think that's something that sometimes throws out, even when we have our nutrition dialed in, when yeah. people on the outside, look at us being able to do that. Right. Oh
1: yeah, sure. Um, well, well, like when we're problem. eating for gains and we're eating a pint of ice cream every night and our clients are like, I want to do that.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're truly seeing that like someone that's eat, you know, has been eating clean for like six days and then it's having their splurge meal. Yeah. I think people think that splurge meal is happening all the it's time. The
1: regular, it, yeah. It's
0: just because they get to lift that this is allowing it sometimes. Totally, totally. That's not meant to shame anybody. I just know that was like an eye opener for me. I'm like, if I ate a pint of ice cream a day, I'd be as fat as fuck. I don't care how much. And I'd be um, out of business. Yeah. yeah I'm intermittent fasting. Um,
1: yeah. I've gone back and forth between intermittent fasting and intermittent fattening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel like uh, the same way I've been successful at both more successful at the fattening one.
0: Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, I'm perpetually still, I use, I try to use my strength in terms of what I'm lifting and how I'm moving over how much I'm weighing. Like that's yeah. always been my thing. Again, sure. coming, coming in is wanting to be a strong dad, but yeah. there's moments where I'm like, you know, we are selling how we look to some degree and, you know, I can look hella strong, or I can look hella fat, and right. sometimes that could be a gray line for some people. Where you know, you're like fucking um, Chris Farley pulling up the belt, you know, trying to yeah, puff.
1: Yeah, totally. Up. Like uh, Matt Foley. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so interesting. I mean, I, I'm so glad you brought up being a strong dad, though, because I feel like people talk about this all the time. But when you have kids, your priorities change, and if you're a strength and conditioning coach they really change because, you know, I I think you and I have talked about this for years and I didn't have kids and I was like, yeah, that sounds crazy. But like now I do, like if you can't move or there's certain movements you can't perform because, uh, you were showing off strength and hurt yourself or you're not taking care of yourself, then you don't have health insurance for your kid. You don't have diaper money. You don't have anything like you're not providing. And I think it really affects your training. I mean, I think uh, you've talked about this before you started doing martial arts when you had children. So you could, you know, be a strong dad and, and be protective and, and that kind of thing.
0: Well, it's interesting. I got into weightlifting again to be what? a strong dad, not knowing about kettlebells or this whole other world of fitness that we got
1: into. Like, right. if, you were working if, in film at the time. Is that yeah, right? I
0: was working in visual effects at the time. And then. I was still skateboarding and I was doing a lot of running. And then when I blew out my knee, I knew I needed, I still wanted to skateboard, but I knew I needed an outlet, uh, a, a sort of an aggressive outlet. Like I just, yeah. you know, my nickname, fortunately for MFF and just, I think getting older and stuff and, and, and working through some of my own emotional problems. Sure. Um, you know, I do live up to my nickname sometimes. And I used to a lot where I'd have a real pretty like long fuse, but when it went, it went and I yeah. needed something, um, like skateboarding and then when it was time like I really want to learn a martial art me and my buddy Domel, you know we're like we went from Muay Thai and and literally I was talking with uh, Birdman uh, there's a guy John Finn who opened up a place by me uh, Birdman VJJ, and we were talking and it's like the only reason why I didn't go into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time was because I'd already have two joint surgeries and I just hated the idea of somebody accidentally cranking a joint whereas like I'd much rather get like kicked in the face. And that's yeah. really was the deciding on what took me to Muay Thai. And then five points was just an awesome place. Yeah, I found kettlebells through there. So the, the Muay Thai was like a, a more of an aggressive outlet for me than looking for self defense. I mean, right. it really was a confidence boost. And I, I learned a shitload. But for me, that was just a way to like literally let off steam. Because you know, I think we can all like scream sometimes, but you need to hit stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if you get that fully out in the weight room sometimes.
1: That well, I think too. Like, I think what you just said too is is what we we're also just talking about at the beginning of the conversation. Is you you know muay thai like you're getting in there and you're mixing it up, but uh, as opposed to BJJ, like BJJ, you can you if you get an overzealous partner, then you're not able to lift, you're not able to train because you know your wrist is broken or your shoulders popped out or whatever. Whereas like muay thai, I feel like you're taking a couple of kicks, you're taking some punches and kicks and stuff like that. But overall, you know, you may break your nose or whatnot, but overall your, your joints and your legs and, and things that make you, you know, great at, at demonstrating strength movements and, and great at uh, being a strength coach are relatively safe. In that yeah.
0: It's, level. it's tricky. I don't, I don't know now if I'd yeah. find that to be true because there's definitely like everyone can get overzealous on either aspect of it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I think I, I know, when I started backing off of Muay Thai, even in my last year at, at five points was cause like, I started getting really into barbell lifting and I didn't want to like to take a leg kick in my thigh that right. was going to fuck up my, to the percent deadlift weight I was supposed to do the next day. Yeah. And I kind of regret that. Like, I'm glad I went through that level, but as somebody that's like, you know, the only competition of any sort I ever did was like a tactical strength challenge before, right. um, I did the last one before strong first took it all over. And then I did the first one through strong Strong first. First. Yeah. And you know, it was like a goal and it was cool and I'm glad I did it. But you know, now in hindsight, it's like, as somebody that's, I have no plan to compete. I should have done the other activities. right? Right. I mean, injury is always going to be like a, a potential factor. And that's like the hard part. Like if our first rule is to do no harm, yeah, we have to accept the fact that shit's just going to happen. You sure. know, like, uh, you know, when Matt, our, our our brother from another, Matt Wilson basically stepped off the, the podium and yeah, and fucking, broke his
1: ankle or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Popped his Achilles, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like that stuff can happen. So I know, Prior to teaching a course, I start watching like some of the types of lifting that I'm doing and I'm never reckless, but I just know like there's certain things that might be more close to one edge of my range of motion, or maybe it's too heavy. And I start getting, you know, I start dialing down, but then I also realize like, I tend to teach in in, like spurts. So I don't want to have like two months, like, um, right now, like April through May get kind of crazy and I can't not train. Yeah. Or only go. So I'm still trying to find that personal balance. And I know like sometimes, you know, like uh, when when we talk about like RPE being like a gauge.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, Folks, that's rate of perceived exertion.
1: Exertion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, On a scale from 1 to 10, generally you want to work in like a 7 for overall fitness right so that you're you're actually working hard enough but you're not working at the edge of your abilities where injury becomes higher burnout becomes higher overtraining becomes higher
1: and it's I know a I nice f- uh, freeway speed like 60 miles an hour like you're getting there taking a nice trip uh you're not going 100 yeah not going five you're on the freeway you're yeah. getting that good that good stuff yeah go yeah. ahead
0: the freeway you know like you know, freeway Jagger and emilio estevez free yeah, that's right oh, that, shit was free jack. that was free jack free jack yeah that free, free jack, jack is uh
1: is great and terrible but both at the same time both at the same time emilio
0: shit i'm writing that down because i kind of want to see if that's available on amazon right now i'm literally writing that down because
1: it's been a while they just anyway. did a free jack episode of how did this get made it was, it was really good that really? podcast yeah it was good worth oh, a listen shit. worth I'll a check listen check that out Anyway, so uh, yeah, we're talking about RPE and uh, where you're at in your training and whatnot. And you were
0: saying how your training starting to adjust too now, based on that.
1: Yeah, basically, I mean, I'm doing Snatched X at Mark Fisher Fitness, which is one of our, you know, programs, uh, heart rate training based. And I felt like that would be a a good place for me. It's you know, it's four big lifts. It's kettlebell floor press, double kettlebell squat. uh, double kettlebell rack to reverse lunge and then a bent and then bent over rows as you know and then the last 10 minutes of class you're you're doing like 10 minutes of of swings and and burpees to get your heart rate in a specific zone um to you know shred you out like coleslaw cabbage and it's been going all right man it's been nice it it helps temper my training it really keeps me in the place I'm supposed to be which is you know 70 80% of my maximum heart rate and uh, it helps me track my steady state, which is really good. I'm terrible at science, as you know, but I, I figured like I would try to understand this as much as I could because I've been teaching it. Yeah, and I felt like a poser not going through it. Um, so I, I've been trying to uh, do more practicing of what I've been preaching in the weight room safely, of course. And uh, you know, of course, because we we preach safety. So like, why the hell would I be <laughs>
0: recklessly going? Reckless. Ham.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be 40, man. I kind of got to take care of myself. Uh, things don't heal as quickly as they as they once did.
0: Well, and I'd say this, it, 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 and, and, you know, I hope I'm not, like, outing this or anything. But, like, I know, like, you've had some back issues and stuff come up with yeah. training. I know I've had that in the past as well. Yeah. Um, Usually, cert-related prepping for a course. Yeah. Uh, do you have any advice, like, for somebody, like, who's trying to find their – seven out of 10 or they're eight out of 10. Would you have any advice in terms of what somebody could think about for that?
1: I would say like the, the more time you have out from the event, the better you don't want to cram the stuff in. Um, You know, I, I'm a big crammer. So I would (laughs) kind of, (laughs) I would kind of take my time. And then towards the end of the course, like I was just trying to get it in and get it in and get it in. And that leads to injury, you know, especially if you're going, going, going also like, I, 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 you taught me this so, so well, you got to train moderately. Like, you know, you got to have a moderate day. Most of your days should be moderate. There are days when you can go, go, go and really test your, you know, put yourself to the test. Cause you want to, you want to create as much as you can those tests situations and scenarios. So you know how you're going to perform under that kind of pressure. But I think a lot of people, when they're training for a cert or they're training for an event, think that they have to do that every training session. Like they need yeah. to recreate those situations in every session and they're killing themselves. And then they get to the event or their, their certification or whatever it is. And they don't have the gas to go because uh, they've been going so hard.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I fully agree. Lately at the courses that I've been teaching, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the DVRT level one has a strength test and certainly the RKC has a strength test. Yeah. Um, the HKC is sort of like a, 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 an easier to hit thing, which I, which I love about it because it is just come in and learn and the tests yeah. are more technique-based than load. Is, you know, so one of the questions somebody will ask me is like, hey, there's a cert coming up here in three months. Do you think I'll be ready? And it's like one of those biggest – it depends ever. It's like, well, how close are you to snatching a snatch test or even yeah. – pressing your snatch weight or have you
1: snatched before
0: yeah you know um and there are people that are just naturally physically strong enough and mentally able to will themselves to succeed but most of us are going to grind that out in a different way and you really if you could have the longer term to do it the problem is and i I get it is well it's it's coming up in my neighborhood now and i don't know when it's going to come back
1: right and or i have the money now and i want to try it and yeah
0: yeah, and more and more, it's weird. I tell people, well, if, if that's the situation, you know, you have three months to get your videos in. So if you have three months to train, you actually have six months. Right. And I tell them to come in and get the education out of it and don't stress about the test, passing the test, and, and, and get the education. Because, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've seen in my own, I, I, it's a weird one when I say this, because I'm very proud of the groups yeah. I teach for is like, I want people to be super stoked about the initials they've earned because there yeah. is an earning thing. Like when you pass an RKC or a DVRT. Yeah. Like you physically had to do a test yeah. that,
1: you a, earn lot that shirt.
0: Great, a lot of, yeah, you earn a shirt. A lot of great people have done, but if earning initials is going to put you at injury, um, that judgment call for me has to be made that maybe I wouldn't refer somebody to you. Now, yeah. accidental is one thing, but it's like, you're really going to gun to knowing you might crush yourself at this thing, like, like seriously. And and, and listen, I mean like some people know that they have not ever come close to something and then try to do it. It's like, I've seen people when I, when I, when word get out that I was first doing beast press, beast presses back in the day, someone like had never even heard of 48 and then tried to clean it to press it. Yeah. No frame of reference. Right. Like what that is. Yep. Um, but like, if you don't know what it is, like, come take the information. Cause that's what I want to share the initials. I want you to be proud of, but I want you to have the information because the information is what you're going to dispense on the people that you train. Yeah. I don't really care about the individual ego that you have. I want you to be excellent so you can train people excellent. Or if you're an enthusiast that you can do this all really well and safely at home. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like, I, I, it's this weird thing. It's like, I, I, I love seeing feats of strength and I, I totally respect strong, people sure it's also like it doesn't tell me that you're a great coach and i've mentioned this on the podcast like it doesn't tell me that you can cue a swing you might be able to swing double 48s man but like it doesn't necessarily mean that you can translate that information to like someone's mom exactly or sister or something right and and that for me is where i'm what i'm hoping to share when i'm teaching a course versus you know you have to be tough as nails. I mean, anybody that's gonna pass a snatch test is gonna have a certain level of toughness. Yeah. within that degree, there's waves of it, right? So if you're at if you're 240 and you're snatching a 24K, but then you're at the the same, you know, another person is at the bottom end of that weight class, which is huge, right? Yeah. Like it's like one, I don't know, one like 160, okay. 160,
1: 165, yeah. yeah.
0: The person at the lower body weight is the stronger of the two. Right. And that gets lost in, in, ego land sometimes. So it's yeah. like, those are the things that I look at differently. I just, you know, that's one of the things I'm very grateful for the RKC and the groups that I teach for. And it's one of the things like I'm, I'm heading to Vermont this weekend. Well, it would have happened. We're in the future.
1: What? Hey, Vermont.
0: Um, OS is that I love teaching OS cause there is no, it's just an information share and yeah. you don't have to take it as a certification. You can just come in, get information. And then if you want to pursue it, pursue it. And it's like, I want people to have that, but I want people to leave with information first.
1: Well, I think also that's what's great about the RKC instructor cert. uh, The one that I went to with you and Dan, where I, where I got my certification, but also the one I assisted you with Um, there's something about RKC as a community, which is much more along the lines of OS to me, like an RK cert RKC cert seems to me, even though that you are testing, just the overall attitude seems like, hey, man, we're here to learn some really great skills. We're here to learn some great coaching tips. And if you test this weekend and, and pass it, great. If not, you've got some time to send us a tape. But like, we, what we're really focused on is you as candidates leaving here and being able to teach this stuff concisely and correctly and safely. And I think like the enthusiasts especially, because they're going to go home and be the ones who tell the group of their friends about it and be like hey man look at this i know how to use these now like we can do you know when when our group meets on thursdays we can play with kettlebells i know how to use these and the more we deliver that that skill of coaching to those people i think that's that's great value as well as other coaches you know cuz other coaches are surrounded by uh mentors and and other people that they listen to or they their active uh pursuits of of education excellence you know will lead them to your work this podcast dan john stuff uh, and other hopefully quality coaches along the way but i think like reaching the en- enthusiast and the hobbyists is one of the greatest things about those rkc certifications and if we're losing the interest of those people because we put too much onus on the test at the end of the weekend that's a real shame i feel like I kind of feel like SFG does that just a little bit because of the more militant approach, and I'm not saying it's wrong on their end. I'm just saying it can be intimidating for those people who are hobbyists or not of that background.
0: Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I'd say, you know, it's hard for me to speak in terms of how the SFG runs now because it's been i've been removed from it for so yeah. long you know it's sure. been three i think the last thing i did was in 2014 so four the years dome, right yeah. it was the first dome yeah and you know now a lot of my friends a lot of my peers you know are all uh, team leaders you know like yeah. uh, jason and lauren who were just yeah. in the last guest pack both love those group. packs yeah uh hey shout outs for them they announced that they're having a kid um, oh
1: really oh yeah.
0: <laughs> right uh, um, oh, I love that earth, baby pack. The earth will shake with all these small, uh, strong children coming out. How you um, it. So it's hard for me to say. I will say I feel like I have more freedom probably to teach in my style and in my voice yeah. with the RKC than I probably would have in another group, SFG or otherwise. Like that mm-hmm. freedom has been really you know, special and certainly like grown with a lot of the – personal improvements and development that i've done while with you you know at at mff right we all came in line so i but i don't know if that's like such a brand distinction i do think our focus internally is a little more approachable um because there there's not the same we want you to be like great instructors but not necessarily elite individuals
1: well yeah i think that i think you're nailing it there too is like that's the thing is like what each organization looks for in their candidates is, is very different. And I feel like either one is a, an amazing organization, a great place to get some great education. It just depends on your specific personality, what you're drawn to, how you like to coach and your coaching style. I think, I think you're nailing it.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's, it's certainly also buying into Um, what marketing angle speaks to you? Who are the teachers that speaks you know, that speak to you, like all that stuff. Is it available? Is it accessible? Sure. Um, and you know, the freedom that I have in in all of the groups actually that I teach for, it's it's like, I'm, I'm super lucky that they trust me with the curriculum, but I, and I deliver it. So they're going to get the same information, but my delivery is very much like coach
1: Fury style. It
0: is. I mean, you've seen it now a a couple of times. um,
1: It's very good oh well
0: thank you it's
1: true man i mean like uh you have such a a nice way of, of talking about complex things and breaking them down in a way that is is very accessible and very uh very concise and you know i don't have an athletic background like i've, I've been a coach and a, and a trainer for five and a half years and that's it and um working with you i learned a lot more about myself but as a coach but also a lot about communication and you know a lot about uh, uh, ways to approach different movements, things that are intimidating to people or broaching new movements, that kind of thing, which was invaluable and i I'm, I will be eternally grateful for you know observing you for as long as I did and and, and getting to work together for as long as we did
0: ah uh, dude, I mean you added to the the pool of knowledge as well, though. I mean, I still use Old Timey Mayor.
1: Old Timey Mayor is <laughs> a great one. Clean. That's my legacy. That is a
0: great one. Uh, you know, and part of, that, part of that stems from me. A, I was very fortunate that I got to assist a lot of great instructors, right? right. Like, I mean, really, I owe a lot of people a, a lot of. Um, Thank yous for that stuff. yeah uh, The other is is like like you like I'm, I don't have an athletic background. This was my second career. I wasn't super bright. Like I've learned by doing. So I've gotten I've been able to get clearer and clearer the longer I've been doing it. And yeah. this September I'll be in RKC uh, eight years, and that yeah. is where tra- training for that is where I got my my start to go from enthusiast to see how I could coach. do as a professional. Yeah, I went from a uh, bald fury to coach fury in that yeah. time, and. uh you know, it's, I think part of it is at first it was just like I wasn't smart enough to find another way, and then you realize that clarity over big words, especially in the types of things. There's a place and types of courses where you need to get more in-depth. Jargony, yeah. The jargony, but I mean, we've seen it even amongst our team sometimes, like trying to get a, a, a principle across in a sea of big words versus three lines or less is hard you could be the smartest person in the room but if you can't convey it and i just try to convey it as quickly as possible yeah and i think that's one of the things too and i'm very fortunate that you know i've gotten to like teach a lot of courses so every time i'm trying to get better like i you know i assess myself i go in knowing like this one i want to try to get better at this yeah and i've been able to like finally i feel like i'm having my own aha moments now and how i'm communicating and this podcast i don't think i've mentioned this before is is i noticed i did the die mighty in service um at results driven in monroe new york thank you for having me out guys um and in just conveying certain concepts in my own language now and how i connect the dots i think this podcast has helped sentences come out of my mouth that wouldn't have just because I've been able to have discussions like this.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, and you're you're talking about things all the time. Like and and people's points that they make on this show are fresh in your mind. You know, recent discussions are fresh. Like you're creating a lot of great content and, and putting out some really wonderful interviews with great coaches. I, I feel like you should be really proud of this thing that you've created. It's so I and I think a lot of coaches out there who are listening to this know the struggle to create content, especially getting over that first self-doubt of like, who wants to hear what I have to say? Like, I, I, I was very, to this, like, if you have an audience, like we all have audiences. It's just putting the thing together and putting it out there. And then you're like, Oh shit. Like people, they want to hear this. People I, are interested in my voice. I was very,
0: <laughs> people should have better interest in hearing. No way, voice. man. No way. Uh, but it's
1: true. I, like you've done a lot of shit.
0: The, 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 the thing that I'm like, I, I realize now is I just, for whatever reason, I really wanted to have a platform to talk to my friends. And I really didn't care if it was only 20, I keep saying 20, but like, I really thought maybe I'd have 20 listeners an episode yeah. and you know, like we get, uh, every episode ends up roughly as it's weird how, what I'll see is, is like, this one will go up. It'll have a surge within the first three days. Right. And then it seems like it tailors down, but then the total listens, people start going down and cherry picking who they want to listen to yeah. and then they fill the gaps so you'll look at some of the later episodes and see like numbers in the hundreds to two hundreds. But like, we're getting like, like every episode gets around every week, about 250 people listen to an episode of the show, not necessarily the latest episode of the show.
1: And so we'd like to thank you, the listener yes, for being here and <laughs> listening to us talk about you. We love you. No matter how many of you there are, there could be five of you right now. There could be, this could just be my mom. Hey mom. Uh, I love you. Fury loves you. Uh, maybe uh, you're Dan John. Hey, Dan John. How you doing? Uh, we both know you. Maybe you're somebody <laughs> that uh, I know and Fury doesn't know, and you're just hearing Fury for the first time. Isn't he cool? Yeah, he's cool. I've known that guy for a long time. Uh, maybe uh, this is your first time uh, hearing my voice. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but uh, I-, I hope you're enjoying this-, this chat I'm having with my dear friend.
0: Uh, Everybody, just take a moment to stare at your phone or listening, to voice, listening device, yeah. and uh, Jeff and I just want to say,
1: hi. We love you. We do. We appreciate the fuck out of everything that you're doing. Yeah, do you feel that? that that's a hug. Yeah. That's appreciation through the airwaves. That's what yeah. that is. Yeah. Th-
0: this, is the, this is the sound of gratitude.
1: And hey, you, <laughs> great work. Nobody's doing the work that you're doing right now. And we know, need it.
0: I know you're full of doubt right now, but yeah. you've got this. Yeah, you got, you've got it. this. It's going to be great. Face the fear. Walk through the fire. We're here for you.
1: We got you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: That was great. Hey, brother, I got a question that people relate. So, like, you and I have had some like real talks outside of this podcast. Like, so you know, I think there's an a, an impression that MFF is we're also overly happy and open hearted and kind that we don't stress or freak out about shit behind the scenes or anything like that. Sure. I think if anything, our skill is that we actually address it and deal with it, especially with each other. I think that's the big difference than most places. Yeah. Um. You know, those crucial conversations, Joe. But. Yeah. You, in particular, do an amazing job in front of the ninjas of hiding your stress, where I know then we could end up downstairs in the womb, and it's like, it's there. It's like, boom, sure. stress face. Sure. Um, what, what coping mechanism do you employ in the room to help you get through that? Because I know a lot of us have had conversations, this has happened in Strength Faction, where it's like, when do you actually open up to a ninja to be like, you know what, I'm just having a really shitty day? Because maybe right. you shouldn't ever, and I think there's degrees of that. But uh how do you cope when you're like having just a super stressful day and you've got to go fucking teach a class of 15 awesome people, you know, right. the ninjas and deliver on the level that we try to deliver every class at MFF?
1: Oh man, that's a nice question. I um I am in the camp where I I kind of never open up to them uh just because I I like to keep things very close to, to the vest just for me, but I I think a lot of it comes from my background as an actor, especially a musical theater person. Cause like, Hey man, you, you got to do the show no matter what is happening in your life, the show's got to go on. And that's what it is in MFF for me. It's, you know, it's six mini hour long shows a day and I can get through an hour. Like if I can play, especially if I can play that sappy music I play, like if I can play a hollow notes up and then like blast an eighties playlist or whatever, like I, I can make it through an hour. And, um, also like subtle tips and tricks for me like if i'm if if shit's really crazy or if i'm dealing with other shit in my life one of my favorite things is to hear about someone else's life like i want to hear about that crazy thing you saw on the train or i want to hear about your favorite kind of cereal or i want to hear about anything else that's going to take me out of that my dog is sick or i'm not making a ton of money that month or whatever it is like yeah. you know that's why i like mff so much is because there's there's so many opportunities about that, you know. Like we play a name game in every class. Like I want to know your name and your favorite cartoon, and then somebody starts talking about the Snorks, and I'm like, oh yeah, the Snorks were crazy, and then I don't have to think about the shit in my life for five minutes. Yeah. So I think it's you know it's a it's a nice thing for the ninjas where we keep where we stay upbeat and we stay friendly, but also like for us, it can be a real a real way to keep our sanity and just finding other things like even the worst things in your life in my life in all of our lives can be put on the back burner for a second if you have to do a job you know and it's just about man I learned this a lot also from you and from Dan and and you guys at certs it's about the professional integrity that you want to display you know I will always remember the coach who was a dick to me because he was having a bad day and i'll I'll always remember that because i'll never coach like that and most of those guys were my little league coaches and that's why i wasn't an athlete because after i was like 10 i was like all of these guys are dicks like coaches are dicks i don't want to play sports i'm not going to be around a bunch of dicks so i went to like showbiz, where everyone is like happy and totally or acts like they're happy when they're really all just fucking miserable but you put on a happy face and you're nice to everybody. And that seemed to be way more my, my bailiwick. And it wasn't until I was like in my thirties and working at MFF and being like, no, if you're genuinely happy, you can be happy. But if you've got shit to air, you need to air it. So you can be really happy. And I think uh, learning those skills and also that they're learning from you and Dan and everybody that there, there are times and places to air the dirty laundry and there's a time and a place to do the show. And if you can keep those separate enough, you're you're going to do just great.
0: That's a great point and excellent use of bailiwick. I've never even heard that. Oh, word. thanks,
1: man. Yeah, well Wheelhouse. Taught. Thank you. Uh, the word of day calendar keeps me keep going. Keeps me keep going. <laughs>
0: that was a Pee Wee Herman. Uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse word of the day, and nobody yelled ever because it was really Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly right. I'm um, quite I, I, loquacious. Oh, no. what's another one? Uh,
0: I'll say, you know, there's been days where I, I think what really happens when you love your gig, and I don't think anybody in MFF doesn't love their gig, uh, yeah. is no matter how shitty things are, yeah. having the opportunity on a, on a great platform to do what we do, it's kind of crazy how for that hour of the class or two hours or whatever it is, like it can go away for a while. Yeah. And then usually at the end of that you're drained from just teaching and it's on an extra level because you have all this emotional shit stuff riding on underneath it that it helps, you know? Yeah. It's like an amazing antidepressant in some ways, but I know, sometimes like you know I, I had that one my literally my last class at mff uh when i went back oh, yeah, to in, was like gym was like a total shit show yeah and i lost my cool i apologize for it but i lost my cool like i just felt like there was like a shit ton of whining and i just wanted to like crush it it was a new class and i i, I lost my top a little bit and yeah. it wasn't so much about my bad day it was just like can you let me do my fucking job for a moment and it's the first time that that like in a non-one-on-one, crucial conversation, upfront way, I kind of lost my top in front of people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of me felt felt bad about it. Part of me felt justified in it. And yeah. I know about the ninja response was about 50-50 on, on that as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're fucking human too. And, and Totally. And, you know, I live up to my nickname sometimes. I didn't hurt anybody.
1: No way. <laughs> but, I was... Uh, I will say there's, there's value, too, in, in, like, exploring our relationships with our coaches as well. Like, I know that, like, when I've been on the other end, when I've been someone, like, if I had a, any kind of coaching, if I had a guitar lesson and I went in and I was like, hey, man, how you doing? And then my guitar teacher was like, oh, man, I've got so much shit at home, my fucking kids and this and this and this and ate up 15 minutes of the lesson I just paid for by bitching about their life. I would be like, oh, that sucks. And then I wouldn't train with that person again. Yeah. And I feel like we knew that going into MFF because we'd had trial and error as coaches before. Like we've been there. Yeah. And then also sometimes like, if you're lucky enough to have a client that listens to you and then you're like, oh man, you know, after the hour, you're like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have bitched to that person that much. And then you can talk it out and apologize. Some of them will let it go. And then some of them won't. So then every time you see that person, they're going to be like, hey, remember that time when you like lost your mind? Or remember? <laughs> and you're like, ah, shit. Like I showed them a side of me that now they will they can never get out of their head. And that kind of affects our relationship. Like I know, think that's a risk. Uh,
0: I, I agree with that. It's interesting. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if this was a five points guy or, or, or an MFF guy. But I had someone that – Tweak their back in a class. I think it might have been MFF, you know, and shit happens, right? And tweak their back. Nothing crazy. but you know, took a couple of weeks off. And then when they came back, maybe it was five points. I can't remember. When they came back, they kept trying to like joke with me about how I hurt their back.
1: I know who, exactly who it is.
0: I don't remember. It was, so it was MFF, right? What? I honestly can't remember. And when we're offline, name it. We'll I talk.
1: Yeah, we'll t- I'll tell you. And exactly. I had to have that
0: talk with them about, like, hey, dude, you know, just so you know, like, I, I really take what I do and your well-being seriously. And I'm not – I did not hurt your back. And if you want a scapegoat, like, okay, but stop bringing it the fuck up. Yeah. Um,
1: That's so funny because with you gone, he would do that to me. And say it in front of classrooms of people, he would be in class and be like, Yo, class, everybody, I just want you to know that like Jeff hurt my back once, but I'm back and he's a really great coach. And I'd be like, Oh like, my I'm God. I'm spacing
0: <laughs> out on <laughs> who and this then, is. You're so, we'll talk.
1: Me so much right now. Like, that wasn't me. Like, you put that thing down wrong. Like, I, I wasn't even in, like, I was nowhere around.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 and I just remember having to have that talk about like, you know, and I'm glad I had that talk, you know, like, yeah. about like, you know, just so you know. And they were, she was shocked to, to know that it bothered me to that degree. Sure. But I'm like, it's like, you know, um, I had, I had another guy who, you know, thought I did something and it was like, no, it was a host of other medical issues that had nothing to do with, with training. And it's so easy to get scapegoated for something like that, right? Like when you're a trainer and then you're supposed to be in this super happy, positive environment, especially like the clubhouse. And when I try to set up here at Fury Industries, yeah. and it's really weird when you have to address that stuff, but you have to address it. Cause I think there's been some conversations, both, uh, I know like, uh, in, in Q and A's with strength faction at a couple of courses that I've been involved in oh, yeah. where we deal with, you know, trying to reset a client expectation, But we're afraid to have the awkward talk. Yeah. Right? But you can't change it without the awkward talk because you're just letting it coast on a pre-existing expectation.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's really more and more you have to set a a space where people know things can change. Yeah. Like you're all right, we've offered this expectation, but you know what? This thing wasn't working, so we've gotten better, or this is changing, and, and now this is the new right you know frontier this is this is how we're proceeding moving forward but people get real like stressed out about that you know like yeah. there was a conversation about you know stretching out your clients at the end of a session and you know i will openly admit as a very new trainer i did a little bit of that because i thought that's what we do yeah and then i realized like doesn't really do a lot i know it feels good for the person but it's not what i'm getting paid to do i'm also I'm like, not and i owe mark fisher when i came to mff and he was like oh and we don't count reps
1: yeah
0: and it makes total sense to me. Why are you going to pay me a high dollar value to count for you? Yeah. Like I'm making sure you're physically doing things in line with your goals and safe and not getting crushed. Right. Um, and when people are stuck in stretching out their client land, even though they know it's useless, but like whatever their gym has set this thing up, you got to have, someone's got to change that. Right. And I just think sometimes we're so afraid of losing money or pissing somebody off, or having that talk, that we just let things slide. And I know you in particular, um, and I mean this in a wonderful way, you are also, on one hand, super sensitive. um, Oh, yeah. And, you know, I put myself on that category as well, tattoos and nickname aside. Yeah. um, We've seen each other cry. and But you've had to have some of those, like, rough ninja class conversations about whether it's uh, – gloves or body odor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where do you, how do you approach those types of hard conversations drawing the line being like potentially overly sensitive to a, a client's expectation and their feelings versus like what has to be done?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, for me, the danger is always to be um, detrimentally empathetic, like feel bad enough for people that I don't say anything or not want to embarrass somebody Enough that I would almost, uh, especially when I was a new coach, almost let them hurt themselves because I didn't want to hurt their fucking feelings. And I came to you, actually, I think we talked about this a couple of times. I talked to Mark Fisher about it a couple of times. I talked to Dan about it. I talked to Dan about it at a a cert where I was assisting and somebody couldn't do their pull up, their chin up test. And I was going to have to like tell them to go home. And I was like, I don't know if I have this in me. Like, if this means I can't be an assistant, you know, and that was just me being like, Hey, you're supposed to do five. You didn't do five. <laughs> like, and I was like, what am I going to do? This guy, this person's here. Um, but, uh, Dan said to me the awkward conversations are awkward cause they're the ones worth having. Yeah. And I, I, that's so true. And like, when it, when it's really weird when I have to go to somebody and be like, yo, I'm sorry to tell you this, man, but you fucking stink. Like, you really have a body odor problem. It's impressive. Uh, you know your, your body odor is as strong as your biceps. Um, that's, that's really hard. And like all of the ways that I just said it were terribly wrong. Um, and I had to learn that through a lot of trial and error. And, and yeah. we, lost, we lost a few ninjas because of it. And I will. I, one other thing that somebody told me once, which was the greatest thing, was Mark, when I first got hired at Mark Fisher Fitness, Mark Fisher sat me down and was like, we're going to lose ninjas because of you. Like, people will leave because they don't like the way you coach. People will leave because they don't like the, your humor. They don't like the music you play. And then he was like, but also, we're going to gain a lot of ninjas because of you, because of who you are, because of the way you talk. And that was so liberating to me. Like... It's, I feel like that's one of the big benefits of working at a place where I work is that I have a team and, you know, a support team that is like, hey, man, this is a bigger place. We're going to lose people. We're going to get people. The door is always swinging wide. I feel like when you're running your own shop, those awkward conversations are so much more delicate. But there's a lot to be said for being a one-on-one kind of a thing. Like you're cultivating a relationship with that one person because they're your specific client. So I feel like that's liberating in that you can be like, "You look, we've been training together for a while. I feel really comfortable with you telling you this. And if I'm overstepping my bounds, please let me know, but you know, I feel like we have a good shorthand. Whereas, like, I've been training somebody who's in my class maybe once a month, and I have to go to that person and be like, hey, I know I don't really know you, but when you get sweaty, it smells like death. <laughs> like, you know, so I feel like there are, there are trade-offs of both. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think over time, like, as a coach, and you know this, and I, I'm sure most of your audience does, but it's something that is that is constantly coming up in my life, in my career, As a coach, we're so much more than people who can teach you how to deadlift. We're so much more than people who can teach you how to squat. We are authority and adult figures in people's lives. And a majority of people who don't have authority or adult figures anymore yet, people don't live with their parents, there are no teachers in their life. Maybe their relationship with their boss isn't great. And we're one person they can come to and be like, hey – can I get your opinion on this or can, can I ask you something awkward? And I feel like we can do that too with our clients. If we can be like, Hey, this may be kind of awkward, but I want to, I want to know your feelings on this. I, I think, think that's, that's one of the worthwhile it, relationship that it, gets it, lost. There's there's something in the way you phrased
0: that, that I think was interesting and I, I don't know if I thought about it. this, you know, we, we do consider ourselves teachers like a coaching and, and, and as a teacher yeah. and um, people that might not be used to having, teachers in their lives anymore you know like i'll I'll openly admit like i'm down to go take any fitness course that i'm interested in and it doesn't like um scare me i'm just like generally curious but if you were to say go back to college i'd probably freak the fuck out about it yeah but i think one of the things that's been set up at mff and at the better you know, gyms and facilities that I've gotten a, you know, uh, train out of, yeah. uh, or teach out of is this like open thing, not just amongst the coaches for continuing ed, but instilling that curiosity in fitness and nutrition, and then opening the doors to other stuff, how people will try like, you know, trapeze stuff or, martial, know, arts or stuff. martial arts outside of it is like sort of reigniting that curiosity yeah. people and that student teacher relationship. Cause I don't have a hard line about like, um, uh if it's um you know uh i I know strong first, i don't know if they still do this, but like you know you, you don't have a client, you have students right and I' also know that I've had some people that uh back in the day i've called i've i've you know not that you directly go, you're my student, but like mm. really they're clients yeah I mean, sure you know, you know what i mean I'm yeah. teaching them it's all words, I also don't have issues. With calling myself a coach or a trainer, yeah, no I feel way. like it's the expectation we set upon ourselves what that word means, or yeah. how you set that expectation with the person you're training. So yeah. I don't have hangups on words on that level. I do consider myself a coach, yeah. But you know, it's also because my first name's coach <laughs> nickname is Coach Fury, so it's, it's like, like your you know, folks
1: knew. Yeah,
0: you know, I, but I think that's like actually like a positive, and I never really thought about reigniting the curiosity because i think about what i picked up from my time at five points academy like none of this would have happened without you know a my daughter and then b five points academy
1: yeah i mean like i look i always go back to like the mcgruff commercials when we were younger like if someone does something that's, out of crime yeah yeah somebody who's in, <laughs> does something inappropriate to you go to an adult go to your parent go to a teacher go to a coach someone you trust and i feel like coach is in there because like that used to be a a very trusted relationship. And I feel like we've moved away from that a little bit. And I feel like as as coaches, we can serve our clients so much more than being like, yeah, push your butt back a little bit more. You know, we can be like, yo, this is a safe space. We're here to lift weights, but we're creating a safe space so you can lift weights. And in creating that safe space, I want you to know you can tell me pretty much fucking anything you want. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to look at your form and make sure you're not hurting your fucking back, yo. Like, I want to make sure that you're loading the correct parts of you and not putting yourself in too much of a stressful situation so you're going to get hurt. And if other things in your life are really, really stressful and you can't focus on loading the things, you know, loading the correct things or you can't focus on correct movement today, maybe, maybe our workout is having an awkward conversation
0: yeah it, it's funny it, it, it's it's been interesting now so you know running classes out of fury industries and they're small group they're not big classes but you know i'll get people that are you know uh, a friend will bring a friend in that's on class pass or something they'll try it out mm-hmm. or they'll do a class here a week and a class somewhere else and you know i think the big difference is is when you look at price points and what people are getting like i am not cheap yeah. you know i'm not crazy expensive but if you're going to come and take a a a a a Kettlebell Ultimate Sandbag Original Strength-based class in the privacy of my home yeah, the guy that's you know, I, I know this is gonna sound like I'm stroking my own dick here, but like that's traveled the world teaching these things. Like I feel like that that's worthy of some cost benefit because you're not just gonna get an educated workout. You're actually gonna get a very like uh, you're gonna learn and, and take home. Like I don't want you to just come in here and I have to tell you how to do stuff. No. I want you to be able to like then go to home and go to your gym or go to the whatever class you're taking and swing and kettlebell
1: ass. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And versus like you know uh, so many times somebody will just come in and this happens. I just be like, oh, that class was just crazy. It was just like thirty. 30- Three hundred burpees or something, yeah. or just few, like twice, you know. And there's zero coaching or zero skill, you yeah. know. And both will deliver some results, you know, on, on on either end of the spectrum, right? Like, I mean, we can't deny that you can go to like one of these, you know, chain fitness things that just make you sweat with five pound dumbbells.
1: And you're gonna get your ass kicked, and you or have a
0: roller, and you're gonna yeah. you're gonna lose some weight on it. But there is an end game of limitation
1: to it, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason we see people come back. You know, I feel like we teach the skills and people are like, great, I'm going to go try this at Planet Fitness or New York Sports Club or wherever at my house, whatever. But I think at MFF and also in Fury Industries and your work before you were at MFF, people come back. People come back because they go out in the world and they're like, oh, well, this is okay, but they did it so much better at this place or, you know. They have this, but they don't have this. And then a couple of years later, we'll see people come back and be like, "Welcome back!" And they'll be like, "Thanks so much. Yeah, I really missed you guys. I missed this aspect, whether it's the personal touch, or I missed, uh, I missed the attention to moderate and light days, as well as getting my ass kicked all the time. Like, or I missed the coaching. Like, so many people will be like, "Yeah, I went to Berries or whatever, and it was great. The workouts were great, but the instructors didn't talk to me at all. Nobody." Yeah. Talked to me or looked at me, which is like, hey, don't get hurt, you know, or like, God, how many times would we hear, especially at MFF, like, nobody knew my name, nobody paid attention to me. And of course not, like you go to like, any other gym, you walk in, you swipe your card, and they're like, hey, nice to see you. And you're like, hey, great. But nobody's like, hey, hey, Steve, looking good i love your new you know Daimati tattoo or whatever that would blow your mind you would always go to that place you're like who yeah. what the hell i'm never leaving here this is amazing and i think like those small touches are what people come back for yeah and that's I, I, that's where the magic is as, as fisher would say that's where we're making magic is is creating that safe space from the beginning and it's knowing people's names. It's when they come to fury industries and it's a friend of a friend or somebody on ClassPass. I know you do this. Cause I know you, I know you sit and talk to them and be like, what do you want out of this? Like, yeah. why are you, what brings you to fury industries today? Instead of just being, all right, let's blast your biceps. And they're like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. You know? <laughs> I, you know? Um, so I, I, I think that is the, That's the crucial key that gets lost so much.
0: I I know that I've seen, you know, so I I, I do three, three class types, um, here. Um, and I know that on the occasions that I, when, when I go through, this is what we're doing in the class, right. The teaching part of it. And I go, this is why, right. Right. Like if it's a head nod and this is like, you know, the OS why we do these things. People aren't used to being told at all why they're doing something and, you know, I really think, especially in a semi-private training or small, small group or one-on-ones, like every now and then, if you you should make sure your trainer has those answers because I don't yeah. think they have to be like complicated or even science-y. but like I, I just think sometimes, you know, this goes back to like you know my idea of like playing—is this a thing? You yeah. know, like people just throw stuff that they've either seen just now on YouTube or you know they're going to try out an idea or this sounds killer and they have somebody go through it without really understanding it does it even serve any purpose other than movement and, and, and sweat. And yeah, you know, you could say that any movement might be good movement, but you could also say any movement with load potential to harm or even without load potential to harm, like it should serve a person's needs. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. I know that's one of the great things, uh, uh, you know, that I've picked up from like, you know, Dan, John, we folks, let's get this out of the way. I was actually going to let Jeff off the hook for this because Uh he mentions it all the time. I don't mean like, in you people always bring it up. Dan, Dan, Dan John is is, is a friend of mine and happens to be Jeff's brother-in-law
1: married to my sister. Yeah. I've known that guy since I was nine years old. Everybody Christmas Um, at our house is, is no fun.
0: So that's that's the Dan we 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 keep talking about. Um, Dan is somebody that taught at my first RKC level two right before he got his hip, hips replaced, um, and I was very fortunate, you know, um, to get to hang out with him several times at different courses and whatnot. And then we co-taught um, in the RKC the last year um, at Crunch. That's the best. But the, the simplicity of it all, when Easy Strength came out, I know changed the game up for me because I kept thinking I had to get complex, 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 and it really simplified everything, but I know why we're doing it still. Right. Like it's simplified, but with purpose. And I think a lot of times with coaches at certain places, it's just like, just don't tell me to get my heart rate up. Like that's not a fucking answer. Right. Don't tell me because it's important to hinge. Right. Like that's not an answer. Um, you know why it's like, then it might, might as well just be sitting on a machine. And I can come up with just as simple an answer. Why you should sit on a machine as somebody else might make up an answer to say why you shouldn't. Right. Right. I, I just feel like have a little bit of the understanding why.
1: Yeah. Um, how but deep into the why layers can you go? Can you answer five whys about each thing? You know what I'm I mean? Probably like two and a half whys. But I, I mean know. like – but, you know, I feel like any coach can be like, how, how deep can you go into the whys? If they how ask deep you why, is your love? Yeah. How deep is it? If they ask you why, can you answer it? If they ask you why that part, can you answer that? How, you know, how many layers of sediment do you have in your, uh, in your rationale? Baby. Yeah. And
0: then, and then on the flip side of that, if you're setting up like, these long dialogues, you also have to sort of put yourself in the check to be like, we might be talking too much in this session.
1: Yeah. Because that is
0: another side that like, you know, I know I've gone on like diatribes and soapbox moments of talking about certain things that I'm passionate about. And like, I'm like, shit, we just didn't live for five minutes. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly.
1: That was the longest rest period ever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> You All feel right. fresh. I'll go hit the bar again. Because yeah. sometimes you do just need to live.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, coming back to what you're saying too, but creating the safe space, it's, it's, it's the level of trust when you can talk with somebody and coach them effectively um, where they know that you have their best interest, right? It yeah. starts as their physical well well Best interest. Yeah, well-being, best interest, because that's what they're normally coming f- to you from. But then as you know, that relationship develops, even if it's not friends outside, you know, it, it opens up a greater world of trust. And then in that greater world of trust is where the culture of a whole facility or a whole you know, the whole membership starts to grow out of. And I think that's, you know, when, when, with MFF clearly has done an exceptional job, but, you know, and knowing what I've seen, you know, with with Jason and Lauren on last one at Achieve, like there's uh, the folks that results uh, driven in Monroe, like you see these cultures come out that it it, so much has to be on not hurting people, being honest, creating trust, setting expectations. And then from that, I think the missing ingredient, ingredient sometimes is like actually establishing hope like, yeah. you have to let people know that like there's a hope to be better than they think they can be, exactly. right? Huh, or that they, they deserve. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: well, it, it's something,
0: it's that. something that came up per, putting together this Die Mighty workshop, and that, that I was like, shit, that is sort of the agree, you know, the ingredient, the the, the cumulative agreement. Uh, in- I'm losing all my words. The no, cumulative no. ingredient to like finish the fucking soup of what we're trying to do to make lives better yeah. is. That we can establish hope, yeah, right, in an honest way, not like a televangelist
1: way, right yeah um, I mean I think I think it, you're so right, like letting them know that there is hope there, and that hope hope with patience is the ultimate goal achiever, you know I also think there's something to be said uh, about the people we listed as well as uh, as your your philosophy and the one that MFF and results and, and Lauren and Jason and those guys. Um, I think there's a a great adherence to the, why the person is at your facility. And then we dig deeper on that. Why, why are you here? I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Uh, I, I just got a divorce. Oh, okay. So, you know, then we're, we have something to work with there and then we can dig layers in, you know, how do you feel about your weight loss journey? The next time you see them, how are you feeling? How's everything? How's your life going? How's, you know, and the more we talk about things and more we unpack issues over the, over our time together, the more we're learning about them and we're feeding their goals and and helping them make the correct choices for where they want to go instead of just being a one-stop shop where we're like, all right, well, we're going to put you on a treadmill for 10 minutes to warm you up. And then we're going to make you do crunches. And then we're going to make you puke with pull-ups you know, cause I got a, I've got another client in an hour, so I got to go, Yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're investing in their specific goals because we're the Sherpas on their journey. And if we don't know their destination, then we're just wandering around.
0: And, and I'll say for newer coaches, coaches too, don't let that idea freak you out. It doesn't mean that their programs have to be so special and different from other programs. They're actually, most of the programs are pretty similar in nature. Yeah. Um, but it, it's 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 how you present and how you listen, right? Mm-hmm. Listening being Absolutely. a key key aspect of that is like how do you listen to, and and, and coach them up, and that that listening is also not just because we're in a we're in a physical environment, it, it, it's also visually listening. Like, are you, what are you reading from their movements? What are you reading from their face when they're yeah. trying to do something? Like, you know, how many people try to hide pain in a grimace? Hey, did that yeah. look like that rep didn't feel great? No, it's yeah. fine. Well, and, you're you know,
1: and you how can you give them what they want? and make it what they need or what they need and make it look like what they want, I guess is really the, uh, the thing too. You know, you want to give them what they need and what they want, but yeah. most of all, you got to give them what they need.
0: And I know that's something that I've learned a lot at MFF, especially from like, you know, Brian, we've had those talks where like somebody really wants to do movement at, you know, whatever it is, X yeah. and really like, that's actually probably like the worst thing for them, but like
1: great idea. Yeah.
0: creating just enough, uh, Re- releasing the tension on that a little bit, giving just enough slack so that they feel like they're being served yep. and heard, but yep. also staying safe. And I think that's something that I would, I definitely came in like, again, it was very much so also my like RKC dogma shit sure. that's like drifted off um, to be more uh, serving of the individual than, than, than a brand. Um, right. I don't mean that dismissive again of any brand. No, but, no. Um, and I think that was something that I didn't expect to pick up. At my time at MFF, but uh, yeah.
1: super useful. It is. You're useful. Uh, you are. Hey, man, I, I got to go. I got to yeah. go. What?
0: We're going to wrap this shit up really quickly. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite Kurt Russell movie other than Tango and Cash?
1: Oh, my God. Big Trouble in Little China. Shut it down.
0: Dude, Kim and I saw that in a the theater, man. So good. I Just, can see things no one else can see. It's all in the reflexes. It's all
1: in the reflexes.
0: I still might have to go with the thing, though, even over Big Trouble in
1: Little China. I drank something. I can see things no one else can see. Uh, yeah. The thing is really good. Overboard is pretty fucking great. I'm not going to go back and
0: try it out. Overboard, Overboard is I'm, so good. I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that one like just slide. But it's anyway, cuddle up movie. <laughs> hey, so good. Mr. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, can I you love tell, you, man. I you wish I could. Listen?
1: Don't cut me off yet. You I'm gonna interrupt
0: you. I'm, I'm interrupting. That, that, uh, that, at, that. Can and, you tell the listeners to die mighty?
1: Hey, uh, Here's what I want you to do, you guys. I want you to go out there. I want you to live furiously and I want you to fucking die mighty. Die mighty. Awesome. Where can they find you, Jeff? Uh come see me at Mark Fisher Fitness, uh 411 West 39th Street. Uh I'm on Instagram. I don't even know my Instagram handle. I don't know. I'm on yeah, Facebook. It's a
0: weird one. Look just look up Jeffrey Hemingway and you'll find Yeah. Fight.
1: I'm not on Twitter cuz I don't understand it. But uh you can e- email me. G-E-O-F-F, thanks mom and dad, at markfisherfitness.com. Uh, yeah, that's, those are all the platforms. Uh, hey, man, I love you. I, I miss you so much. Oh, uh,
0: dude, I miss you too.
1: I'm going to get real awkward for the listeners here. I, I, I want to I wanna hold you tight.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tight. I feel it. I feel it. All right. I love you, brother. Thank you for coming Later. on. Thanks listeners, having- thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Do You tune into a podcast. You download it. You listen to it. I hope you had a good commute um, listening to our voices. Goodbye everybody. Later Jeff, say hi to Rose. See ya. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit theftw.nyc.com for band album tour and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G L E N N U R I E T A. Or on Instagram at glennurieta. Thanks, everyone.